Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm Rachel True. And I'm Trent Venegas. And you're listening to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. The 100-day podcast that celebrates what would have been the 100th birthday of the man that created Star Trek. Each day between now and the end of our podcast, August 19th, one of Star Trek's biggest icons, or celebrity fans, or both, will be quoting Gene Roddenberry. Then we're going to take a deep dive into why we think this sci-fi legend still has a lot to say to the world. Today's quote is read by writer, producer, and co-creator of Phineas and Ferb, Swampy Marsh. I lived my life as a child who lived in worlds of dreams and books. Welcome back to the podcast, Quoting Gene Roddenberry, where we are lucky enough to have Scott Sigler as a co-host guest this week. And I love this quote so much because I think one of my, I always say one of my superpowers is my immaturity. But <laughs> I, be- <laughs> I believe it's phrased much better in this quote. A childlike sense of wonder, though, about the world. And I'm definitely old enough to know to at that point where you realize you know nothing. And I think that is such a freeing and liberating point in a human's life when you realize you know nothing or, mm-hmm. you know, you know a lot, but it's nothing compared to the wealth of stuff there is out there to know. And then lastly, books. Man, I lived my life as a child who lived in a world of dreams and books. Me too, Gene. Right on. Mm -hmm. Because, and I've said it before, I grew up in the Carnegie uh, library system. I lived at the library, voracious reader, read a book a day. They didn't believe me. They tested me on comprehension, got 100. So to have books for me was the ability to travel anywhere and go go anywhere and be anyone mm-hmm. not be hindered by what i was told was my place as a as a black chick you know anyway scott what's your thoughts on this quote it resonates so much with me that was uh, that was my childhood and my teenage years early adulthood and continues now to this day even to the point where that has become my career is to trying trying to give that experience to other people mm. with my work to try and do something that takes people into a world of dreams, lets them, you know, escape from their own world for a little while, give their soul and spirit a reset, and then they can come back and strive, uh, strive against the struggle from there. So this is just, this is the base thing. I still do this, you know, I still do this all the time and I am not a child anymore, but you get into a, a really good book. Something that makes you forget your reading is, yeah. is some of the most powerful magic in the world to me. Yeah. And this quote really speaks to me in terms of, and if I'm being honest, like I'm a reader now, but as a kid, I was, uh, I lived in a world of dreams and television. So I loved Saturday morning cartoons. I loved all those cartoons after school, uh, mask and go bots and GI Joe and Thundercats. And, uh, just this week, uh, the week that we're recording this, this episode, a whole new uh, sequel series of Masters of the Universe has been released on Netflix, executive produced by Kevin Smith, who very kindly read one of Gene Roddenberry's quotes early on in our podcast run. And from the very beginning, uh, I was eight years old again. So watching it again, watching this new series with these 
classic characters who've been updated for the now, I was immediately eight years old again. And I am of a certain age. I am also Gen X along with with Rachel. But I think, and I don't know if this is my uh, vanity or whatever, but I think I come across as younger than I am. And I'm definitely not going to say OLA. I'm right here. So I'm just, (laughs) I'm Gen X. I'm gonna leave it at that. And that is something that I love about my personality. Like I have action figures peppered around my home on, you know, if on this zoom conversation, like Rachel and Scott can see my Funko pop collection right behind me. It's a literal wall. (laughs) So these things, I, I love that childlike part of me because it just reminds me so much of what I love about being a kid especially growing up, you know, in the 80s with like breakfast cereal and Happy Meals and all those cartoons and toys. And even, you know, at my age, uh, it's still something that is very much a part of me. And I love that about me. And I love that Gene loved that childlike part of him as well. I also love that part about myself as well. And I didn't think about that until you said it in that way. Mm -hmm. You know, when you are surrounded by very serious people who are taking things very seriously Mm -hmm. all the time, that can get a little tired, but I uh, also as a Gen Xer, I, I don't know if that was prior generations to us, but our generation in, in particular seems to be easily lost back in the nostalgia, easily lost in the world of entertainment, watched yep. all those same cartoons. And it's just like, you know, the right thing comes on. You're like, I'm, this is what I'm doing now. I'm doing this. For yep. the next Do you think hours. part yep. of that is because we were pre-internet? You know what I mean? We only had three channels. Yes. No, the rich kids had cable, but I had three channels. Right. And no internet and da-da-da-da-da. You know, and go outside and play and come back when it's dusk. Mm-hmm. We were the last kind of gen to have that experience. Yeah, I think we have, like, all of the nostalgia from, like, the 80s and 90s was so perfectly packaged for us. All the videos on MTV, we saw all the same videos. There was only one MTV to watch. Uh, right. That's why that's why we had superstars like Madonna, Michael Jackson, and Prince. Mm-hmm. I don't think we will ever have superstars of that caliber. I mean, we have superstars. Yes, we have Lady Gaga and Justin Bieber. We have very popular uh, musicians and pop stars, but we will never have them at those legendary levels that we had in the 80s because there was only one place where where we were seeing all three of them at the same time or or in the same location on MTV. Uh Whereas now the internet, which is a wonderful, wonderful tool, it is an ocean of options and it is an ocean of pop stars and creators who are uploading their own music. And it's it's really hard for, for the whole group of everyone to focus in one area because the options are so plentiful, well, which the, the internet is really made true. What Andy Warhol said, because everyone really is famous for 15 minutes yep. now. Yeah. Everyone. I wanted to say the other thing about this quote that really made me think I have an essay in a, a personal essay in my book, the moon, where I talk about living through television, mm-hmm. right? Me and my friend would meet at lunch and then she would go, oh girl, I hung out with my boyfriend on SWAT last night. And I was like, well, I was with Peter from the Monkees, and we <laughs> did this. And the whole thing was us living out this fantasy land. And before I would go to bed too, I would lie. I was an insomniac even as a child. And I would lie in bed and picture all the, make up a whole soap opera story mm-hmm. with plot lines. Um, I'd always join them as a child and then grow up and marry one. So I can talk to my shrink about that. (laughs) But I found that just having that sense of imagination and I wrap up that essay by saying, I think that's what prepared me to be an actor, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That was using that muscle at a very young age. And I, I would say with Star Trek, like, listen, most actors will do anything, but we, Star Trek has attracted 
some amazing talent, right? And it's written in almost a Shakespearean iambic pentameter kind of thing. So of course it's going to track them. But I would think that that had to be so exciting for Mr. Roddenberry as well, if he lived his life in a world of dreams and books, just to also attract the kind of caliber and cast of people to say those words and think those words and, and participate in his imagination space. You know, it's exciting, I think. And you know what I love about what you just described, Rachel, you laying in, in bed, uh, thinking of your stories and putting yourself in them like that's what holodeck culture is on the Enterprise or in the hollow suites on Deep Space Nine. Like the characters, the Star Trek characters in the future, they put themselves in the hollow novels. So they're in the story. And I think there's an right. I, I just recently was rewatching some old episodes of Voyager and Harry Kim said something about how he couldn't wrap his head around just watching a story or just reading a story because you know we're there they were so used to being characters in the hollow novels that he yeah. just is like i don't understand like how was that even entertaining which i think is charming and hilarious do you guys think it'll get to that point well, i think we're already like, at that point with video games which is i ah, believe i believe okay. right now the most revenue generating form of entertainment on the world in the planet as a whole and the very popular video games you know, you by and large, you are a character in that video game interacting with everything. We're not fully holodeck, but we're getting super close to it. You know, there's, yep. with all the technologies coming, we're going to be in the holodeck, at least with goggles on within the You're next right. five years. Yeah. But it's such a good point about video games. That's a bigger industry than the film industry, yep. by the way. Mm -hmm. It makes more money than that. And what I find interesting is a lot of my friends do voiceovers. They pay nothing. Wow. They pay nothing. They absolutely pay Nothing. They don't, and quite often they don't tell you. They don't say it's for Star Wars video game. <laughs> they don't give. They don't tell you. And then you realize you're in this billion dollar thing. So hopefully that'll filter out for the performers wow. as well. You know, in the in the stuff because you're right. Once everyone has a pair of glasses, and I think eventually it'll be just be contact sutured to your eye until we figure out how to just embed it in your brain. Mm -hmm. Right? That mm -hmm. you're in the thing. I I know that scares people, but I'm kind of bummed that I don't have that yet. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> Hopefully that'll come around when we're all uh, extremely old and we're like, yeah, bedridden. We're, we're like, well, I don't care about being bedridden anymore. I'm going into the holodeck. <laughs> it's kind of true. And isn't that what the whole plot of the book Ready Player One is? Like yeah. they're playing a video game, but they log into their avatar and they live the game through VR glasses or something like that. I, I love the book Ready Player One a ton. And that is the concept, although it's still, you know, it's not as modern as you think because they're still putting on goggles yeah, yeah. to attend the school that they're in by the way. So it's kind of the same as what we have now, essentially, or do the stuff. He's still wearing a VR suit in a haptic suit. Got so it. Yeah. It's not much different than now. Because I think the future has to be a, here. Speaking of, you know, world of dreams and books and imagination, I'm like, what could it turn into? Mm -hmm. And I figure it just can't not be something implanted into us at a certain point. But I don't know. And it's weird that I'm all excited about that because in Hollywood, I'm like the only person I know who hasn't uh, done a Botox, a thing, a surgery, a something, a some, one of the only people. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, that's very the norm in town, you know, as, as all these other things are going to become the norm. And I'm kind of split on that. I don't really love it. I don't think anyone looks younger. They just look wrinkle free. Not any younger, though, but Rick the, the, the de-aging technology is the thing watching. The Benjamin Button. Yeah. It's literally, we call it the Benjamin Button yeah. for TV. That's that, where that goes, you know, to keep, to keep uh, an, an actor's youthful appearance. For, right. 
Right. For decades, you wonder how that's going to go. And that gets into, and eventually they'll be digitized. There are TV shows now. My friend's uh, on a TV show and they do it. They Benjamin Button her face every episode. Wow. I'm not saying which one or who. I'm just saying (laughs) they go through and defuzz it. You know, just like on Zoom, you could put a filter on. Yeah, yeah. I just want to say, like, I hope that everyone gets a little bit of a chance to have that childlike wonder, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. it could be for whatever. Like, quite often I'll say to people, what do you like to do? And they are like, uh, they don't, they they are speechless. They don't have hobbies. They don't read books. They don't have any interests. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying part of keeping, I think, uh, you know, your dreams alive and, and wonder is to explore different things that you're interested in. So if you've always wanted to, you know, get into pottery, yeah, do it. Take yeah. a class in it or get yourself a little wheel, you know, and that's what keeps a joie de vivre going, mm-hmm. if you ask me. Because I always say, it's uh, people always say, you look young, Rachel, uh, for your age, which whatever. <laughs> I don't. I'm just, again, I still have energy. And mm-hmm. I think they're responding mm-hmm. to the fact that I still have you know, so like, what are we talking about? I want to know. And that is just, you know, keeping an interest going. I, uh, I never me. I never thought about it like that, but that probably is a big part of it. The amount of energy you bring into a space or a room and talking to people and like you, people seem youthful because they're acting like what youthful people are supposed to act like. Excited. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even though adults, obviously, you're enthusiastic. I listen to your podcast. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of enthusiasm, you know, and it's it's what I think keeps us fresh and open to new ideas. Trent, do you have any wrap up thoughts? I, I love that we have this kinship where we all are embracing the childlike wonder that we seem to each have. And but it's very different than being like immature. And I think that that's something that, you know, it's, it's not saying just act like a kid you know, whine and cry to get what you want. It's, it's, it's remembering that those things that made you happy or that bring you joy when sometimes the world is hard and it's tough and you want to, you know, watch a cartoon or have like a snuggly blanket that you've had your whole life to just wrap yourself in those memories. Because that's another part that I think like self-care that if, if we really paid attention to taking care of ourselves mentally and physically, we tend to be happier, maybe more youthful appearing. And it just seems to be a a happier way to live. Uh, No, I like I like that a lot because you're right. When I say I'm immature, I'm joking. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like I'm also a businesswoman and I'm also many other things, you know. But wait, I'll leave you guys on this. I was in a store uh, before I left L.A. and this girl said to me, I love your getup. She was very young and in her 20s. She's like, I love your getup. And I was like, oh, uh, thanks. She's referring to my clothes. Thanks. It's summer. And she goes, yeah, you know, you got to go for it. I was literally wearing my everyday Aaron running clothes. And I was like, hello, fellow teenagers. I thought, I thought she, I look insane to her is what I got. I look eccentric and kooky. And then I thought, I'm okay with yeah. that. I'm okay with that. It's it's it doesn't really bother or trigger me that someone else thinks I'm look silly. You know, I enjoy that actually about life. And it's a little easier if you go through life like that. Otherwise, you're going to be constantly triggered, I think by other people. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, all right, thanks so much for tuning in. We have Scott for a couple more episodes and Trent, tell the people where to see the video. Yeah, if you want to watch a video of today's quote being read, you can check it out on our social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we hope you'll join us again tomorrow for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's quote. So tweet us, 
post us, DM us, whatever. We're at Roddenberry on Twitter and Facebook and at Roddenberry Official on Instagram. Quoting Gene Roddenberry is a Roddenberry podcast hosted by me, Rachel True. And me, Trent Venegas. Producing are Claire Kramer and Kelsey Goldberg with executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Engineering and editing are provided by Elizabeth Joy Windham. And special thanks to all those who were kind enough to read a quote and give a voice to Gene Roddenberry's everlasting words. Live long and prosper. 